Galatians 5. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Galatians 5. We're going to be there just a little bit tonight, and then we're going to spring off of there and kind of look at one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. I, I think Corey probably has told you, or somebody has told you, if you look at Galatians 5, what we're talking about here is a list, and it's not a multiple choice. This is not like a test, and you get to pick which fruit you want for that given day. Like, I don't want to have patience today, but I'll be kind. Or, you know, self-control is not really my thing, so I'm not doing that, but I'll do the whole joy thing, right? No, it says fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit. And what that means is, is that in us, we have a, a spirit. It's either alive or dead. When we accept Christ, it says our spirit comes to life. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And when it says the fruit, what is, how many of you have a fruit tree at your house? All right, what, what kind of fruit trees do you have? What do you got in your yard? An or You have an orange tree in your yard. In your, a pot in your house. Y'all grow oranges. That's pretty fantastic. All right, anybody else have a fruit tree? I see back here, what you got? A blackberry tree, okay. What do you got? Apple tree. Do you have one or two? Two, because they grow, isn't that crazy? They need two to grow. Anyway, what you got? Okay, okra's not a tree, but I love okra. In the air fryer, little olive oil, salt and pepper, change your life. What we got back here, Kansas City? Come on. A what? A pawpaw fruit? Has anybody else in the room heard of that? Okay, we're thinking you're made that up. I'm just kidding. All right, here's the question. What kind of fruit grows on your fruit tree? Oranges, right? Blackberries, pom-poms or whatever it was you said, right? The fruit on that tree tells us what kind of tree it is, right? In the same way, what it's saying here is this spirit that's inside of us, that people around us will see this fruit that comes out and they'll know, oh, you're a Christian. Oh, I see the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control in you. Therefore, you must have a, a spirit of, of Christ living in you, right? And so tonight we're going to look at peace, all right? But let's look at Galatians 5 verse 22 first before we jump into it. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is what? Read it with me real loud and proud. L love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Tonight, I want us to talk about peace, and here's what I want to do. I'm 46 years old. I've been a Christian uh, since I was probably about 10, so 36 years. I've been a pastor for over 20 years, and I still struggle to understand what peace really looks like sometimes. I still struggle sometimes to fight off the distractions that we have. I sometimes struggle with Satan finding a foothold in my life and being able to tempt me in a way that pulls me away from Christ. And so here's the thing. Tonight, you're not going to figure it all out. But hopefully tonight, we can look at just three questions that you'll be able to answer and you'll be able to understand that'll give you a little bit more of what it looks like for you to be a person that demonstrates peace in their life. First question, what is peace? What is peace? So let me ask you, when I say the word peace, what do you think? What are some things, some definitions you have for the word peace? What do you got? Calm. Calm. That's good. All right. Yes, ma'am. 
Okay, no conflict. That's good. What do you got? Not afraid. I like that. A dove. I like that. All right. Give me one more. Calm. Calm. Okay, I like that. Here's the thing. There are so many meanings to the word peace. It's really hard just to nail down exactly what it is. But here's the thing. If everybody is chasing after peace, yet we can't all agree what it is, how do we know when we find it? How do we know when somebody says, oh, you're at peace? You're, um, how do you know what peace is, right? I kind of think about this movie clip, and I, some of you have probably seen this movie, right? Where it can be a little misleading if we don't know exactly the definition of what we're looking for. Turn your attention to the screen. Watch this clip of a movie I'm sure most of you have seen. You don't have it. Awesome. Great. Nothing. Yeah, we're good. All right, here's the clip, and it's a 20-second clip, so it's no big deal. How many of you have ever seen the movie Elf? Yeah. All right, Buddy the Elf, he's in the city, right? He's walking by, and he walks up to the storefront, and there's a sign that says, World's Best what? Coffee. World's Best Cup of Coffee. What does he do? He walks inside. Congratulations, you finally did it, right? You found the World's Best Cup of Coffee. Now, he, thinking he is a great man, goes out on a date with a young lady a little later in the movie, takes her there to, to tell her he has as well found the world's best cup of coffee. And what does she tell him? It's horrible, right? She says, this is not the world's best cup of coffee, right? And all of us could do the same thing, right? If I asked in this room, what's the best hamburger ever? Everybody on the count of three, tell me the best hamburger. One, two, three, go. <laughs> I didn't hear any of them, but it sounded like a lot of different answers, right? Because the correct answer would probably be Memphis Mojo, I would think. No. Let's try this. World's best chicken sandwich. One, two, three, go. That's amazing. That is amazing. All right. Here's the thing. While it is hard to nail down exactly what it is, I think there are some things that we can look at. Let me give you a couple of definitions for the word peace. And some of you gave some great definitions. It's, it's calm, completeness, security, well-being, all right? All those definitions are the definition of peace in so many different ways. But here's the thing, and, and young lady over here said no conflict. That's true, Right? Peace many times is the absence of conflict, but it's not just the absence of conflict. It is also the presence of justice or the presence of purpose. Because here's the deal. Let's imagine, and I'm, I'm, you don't have to answer because none of you would want to admit, but if you've ever been in a disagreement with your parents, maybe in a fight with your parents, when you leave that fight and you go hide in your room, do you all of a sudden just feel complete peace? No. no, right? You may feel like I'm glad to be away from my parents. You may feel like you're happy you're not arguing anymore, but there's still a little bit in your, ooh, my voice is still cracking. There's a little bit in your hearts, right? Where you're still kind of angry. You're frustrated, right? Because the, the conflict is gone, right? But there's not been resolution. There's not been justice or, or a right agreement made in that situation. And so many times we have to look at peace and we have to go, wait, if it's not just the absence of conflicts, the rights of justice, who gets to decide then when I'm at peace with my friends or I'm at peace with my circumstances or peace with myself? 
And I think if we're going to understand that, we've got to go back to think about who created you. Why did God even put us here, right? Why did God make us the way he did? Why did God put you in the situation you're in? Why did God allow you to be born into the family you were born into or adopted into the family you were adopted into to go to the school you go to? And you've got to look at all those things. And so I just want to look at a couple of verses here. John 14, 27. God says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, the creator of the universe says, I will give you peace. Look at this next verse, 2 Thessalonians 3.16. says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. He doesn't just say when you do the right thing. He doesn't just say in certain areas. He says, let me give you peace at all times and in every way, the Lord be with all of you. I love that word Lord. Anytime you see that word Lord, you've got to think about if you're given that title of Lord, that means they are master. They are boss. They get to tell us how to live. So the person that you are getting to direct your life is always with you. So when I look at these verses, I say, you know what peace tells me is that when I allow God to tell me how to live, he's going to always be with me and he's going to give me peace. When I trust the Lord with how I'm going to respond to a situation, there may still be some conflict, right? But there will be peace. When I follow the Lord and his plan, there will be peace. How many of you know about the, the walls of Jericho in the Old Testament? All right, somebody give me, give me a, you know, a snapshot of that picture. Tell me what happened. They marched around it seven times and it fell down. All right, they marched around it seven times. What, did, what was Jericho? It's a, a what? A, a city, all right? And it had these huge walls around it. Now, why were they wanting to march around the walls? So they could get in. Why did they want to get in? Because it's the promised land. What is the promised land? There you go. God had told Joshua, I want you to take my people and go to this place that I have given you, right? And they come to this wall around the city and it says the people don't go in or out. And you would imagine Joshua could say, I, I'm nervous. What's going to happen, right? You could imagine that Joshua's going, wait a minute, God, you said you were going to give us this city and I don't see it. God, you said my parents were not going to get a divorce and now they're getting a divorce, God, you said you were going to do this, and you haven't done it yet. And Joshua walked up to those walls, and here's what it says. God told him to walk around the wall, right, for six days, right? And then on the seventh day to do that and to, to watch the walls fall. Now, do you think everybody was looking out at Joshua, this great military power who's about to take over their city? What do you think their thoughts were when they were watching Joshua just walk around the city? probably laughing at him, right? You don't have to answer, but how many of you have ever done something and somebody laughed at you? You don't have to answer or you can. Thanks for answering, all right? Here's the deal. Joshua was trusting the Lord and Joshua walked around the city and Joshua did what the Lord told him. And I don't know Joshua's heart, but I can imagine Joshua had great sense of peace because he said, if nobody else agrees with me, I'm going to do what the Lord's asked me to do. And what does the Lord do when he follows him completely? The Lord comes through and is faithful to Joshua. You see, when we want to be at peace, God says, look, follow me, trust me. And even if the circumstances, even if the people around you are not, things don't go the way you want, you can still be at peace 
At 46 years old, guys, I still do things where I get scared, where I have fear in my life, and I think, man, if things don't go this way, what's going to happen? And I have to say, hold on a second. My peace is in the Lord, so I'm going to follow Him. And if I do that, no matter what happens here on earth, I have peace in my heart. That's what peace is. Let's ask our second question. How do you get peace then? How do you get peace? If we know that God gives us that peace, all right, that God says, this is, you follow my word, but what does it look like to get peace? So what are some things in the world, this is for you to think about. If you've got an answer, you can raise your hand. What are some things in the world that maybe your friends or maybe you see people out in the world try to find peace in? They go searching for peace in what? Right in the back, what do you got? Scenery? Yeah, new experiences, absolutely. What else we got? Yes, ma'am. Imagination, creativity, that's good. What else what we got over here? Money. money. Hey, if I get enough money, right, I'll be fine. I'll have a great sense of peace because I can buy anything I want, right? Wait, what we got back here? Do what? Drawing or painting, all right, what else? Friends. If I just have the right amount of friends, everything will be okay, right? That's good. What we got right here? Family, the word. the word, all right, good. Sometimes we use the Bible, absolutely. Give me one more. Somebody got one right here, yeah. Food, <laughs> yes. I find great peace in a good bowl of ice cream. I don't know about y'all, but favorite ice cream, chocolate chip, anybody? Really, nobody chocolate chip? Wow, all right, forget it. Here's the thing. The world... And when I say the world, I mean all of us who live in the world who are not necessarily driven to please the Lord. We are searching for peace. We're searching for completeness, for purpose, for well-being, so security, money, friends, family, hobbies, new experiences. Ecclesiastes is a book written by Solomon. Solomon uh, was the richest man who ever lived. He was the richest man because God says, Solomon, I could give you anything you want. What do you want? Solomon says, I want wisdom. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. I want to know the right decision to make in almost every situation. And God says, that is such a great answer that I'm going to give you that and all the money you want, right? I mean, what a good answer. He got all the money and all the, the smarts, right? But here's the thing. Solomon writes Ecclesiastes. Go read it sometime. It's a little depressing until you get to the very end of the last two verses. He said, I've searched it all. I've sought all of the pleasure you can have in this world. I've sought all of the money you can have in this world. I've worked and done all of the things that can bring you sense of accomplishment in this world. And he said, but it all comes down to this. The true meaning of life is to trust the Lord and to follow his commands. He says, you can try to get peace in everything. At the end of the day, true peace this is the richest man that ever lived. Even today, if you use inflation and you look at his numbers today, he, he dwarfs Elon Musk and all those other guys, right? Had all the ability to have anything he wants. And he says, but at the end of the day, to seek the Lord and follow his commands. Here's the deal, guys. To get peace, is, is, it's not easy, but it's very simple. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ because the only way we can have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can't have a relationship with God because God and sin do not mix well together. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. As much as God wants to be with us, he says, but your sin will not allow you to come and be in my presence. 
And so the way we get peace is we have a relationship with God. Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, I don't see my lovely wife in here, but Lindsay, y'all may have seen her around. She is my wife. We have been married for 20, what's 24? So 23 years, right? We dated for about four years before that. So we've been together for a long time. But here was the deal. We dated for about two, three years, and I realized that I wanted to marry Lindsay. And so what it, when you want to marry somebody, what is one of the first things you need to go do? You need to go get a ring, right? I was in college at the time. Um, I enjoyed college, had a good time, but I didn't have a full-time job. I, had, I was a full-time student, so I didn't have a lot of money. But I really wanted to get Lindsay a really nice ring because I knew I'm going to put this ring on her finger and for the rest of her life, she's going to look at it and think that's how much he loves me, right? No, I'm just kidding. That's not it. But she's going to look at this ring and I want to, I want to represent my love for her. I want to let her know that I love her. And so I went and looked at rings and you might as well have had the price tag that said you can cut off your left leg. I mean, it was so much money. I could never imagine saving up that much money to be able to buy her the engagement ring that I thought would represent the love that I have for her. And so what I did is I started talking to some friends and I found that there was a lady in our town who bought diamonds. She went to these sales and she would buy a diamond and then she would work with other people to make a ring and it was a little bit cheaper. And I can remember doing that and I saved up enough and we bought the diamond. And then I saved up enough to get it on a mount and I saved up enough to get all the stuff done until finally I got the ring. And then I planned this whole thing, and I won't go into all the details, to be able to give Lindsay this ring. And I go and I take down, go down to one knee, and I hold the ring up, and I say, Lindsay, will you marry me? Now, here's the thing. Most of us know the obvious answer is yes, right? But imagine if Lindsay had looked at that ring and said, Jay, I'm not able to pay for half of that. I can't do that yet. I'm not able to do that. Now, that would be silly, right? because it was a gift that I was giving to her, right? And so many times, right, we look at God and God offers that gift and we think, well, God, I can't be good enough to be a Christian. And God says, you think you can be good enough to be a Christian? You can't be good enough. Do you see how nice salvation is? Do you see how nice this ring is, right? Of course not. It's a free gift that he has given to us. And so all Lindsay has to do is take that ring. All she has to do is say, yes, and I'm giving her the ring. All you have to do is say, Lord, you can now direct my decisions. When I want to lie, you get to tell me, do I lie or not? Now, I'll tell you this, God will never tell you to lie, right? Hey, when you get to decide how I'm going to treat my friends, what, what uh, fruit, what is going to be demonstrated in my life of kindness, I'll be kind. That's all you got to do, just accept it. But here's the deal. Imagine now, take that analogy a step further. Imagine Lindsay took that ring and went, thank you, and walked off and never went to talk to me again. <laughs> that would be weird, right? Awkward. Yeah, awkward. Tell me about it. But she walked around going, I'm engaged. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm engaged. But how many of us do that as well with Christ? We maybe go to camp. Or maybe we walk the aisle at church. We have this experience where we say, yes, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. And then we walk out and we say, thank you, God. And we go about our life. That's equally as crazy. Now, that doesn't mean that our salvation wasn't real, but he's going, but there was so much more I wanted to give you. Lindsay walks away. We're still engaged until at some point I'd say, okay, this is going to work, right? You're still saved, 
But God says, you missed the point. The point is the beginning of the journey. How you get peace is accepting the free gift and then going on the journey with Christ to learn to follow him. Going on that journey to say, I'm going to mess up, but God teach me. I'm telling you, at 46 years old, Corey will tell you, I struggle. I struggle because I'm like, why? Why do I still struggle with this bitterness in my heart? Why do I still struggle with anger? Why do I still struggle with being mean sometimes? But guys, that's part of the journey. It's every day waking up and saying, God, your mercies are new today. So even though I've been a Christian for 36 years, help me learn what it looks like to be at peace today. Help me to learn what it looks like to follow you. That's how you get peace. The last question we're going to answer in just a few minutes says, how do I stay at peace? So what is peace? It's that sense of of knowing that God is in control. How do I get peace? It's that knowing that I'm in that relationship with Christ. How I stay at peace is really hard. The scriptures tell us that Satan is prowling around like a lion. You've, You've seen those movies, or I'm sure documentaries, The lion blends in with the surroundings, right? The lion's not like some big hot pink shirt walking up like, hey, gonna tempt you right now, right? No, the lion's like crouched down, hiding in the grass, right? And the zebra's just chilling, doing his thing, right? That's the way Satan is. Satan doesn't walk up and go, hey, heads up, about 2.30 this afternoon, gonna tempt you to lie, just be ready. Doesn't happen that way. He's crouching around. He blends in with everybody else. And so if we're not always ready, he's going to distract us and we're going to lose that, that sense of peace, that focus on the Lord. Isaiah 26.3 is one of my favorite verses. It says that he will keep you in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on you because they trust in you, because he trusts in you. Isaiah says that God will give you perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him. That means your mind is fixed on God. It means that every time you try to think about yourself or something else, you're going, well, hold on a second. What would God do? Hold on a second. What does God want me to do? Because I trust that God has the best plan. God has the best way to do it. Philippians 4, 7 through 9. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. What does transcends or surpass? What does that mean? What does that mean? Beyond, yeah, it's like, and the peace of God, which you're not always going to understand, is going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers or sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, I'm sorry, I better read y'all's version. Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I want you to imagine with me for a minute that you're caught in a house fire. Now, I hope that's never happened to anybody. I hope it never happens to anybody, all right? But don't you imagine you're in a house fire and you're, you're, you're in a safe place, but there's fire all around you and you don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, the fireman busts through and the fireman says, hey, grab onto the back of my jacket and we're gonna walk out, I've got you. And you grab onto his jacket and you are focused on his jacket and then all of a sudden, about halfway, you start looking around and you're like, do you see all this fire? And you're just like watching all the fire and you let go of his jacket. What's gonna happen? probably going to burn to death, right? If not, you're going to get really hurt, right? Think about that illustration when it looks here and it talks about what we're supposed to be thinking about. And it talks about our mind state on Christ. Christ says, look, it's going to be really hard to be a middle schooler. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's tough being a middle schooler. Y'all don't, I don't get to stand up in front of y'all much. I get to work alongside Corey in a different way. But Corey, I'll tell you, man, when I go outside this room, I'm telling people it's hard to be a middle schooler. 
Middle school's tough. It's hard to figure out friends and your body's changing and your mind's changing and all the other stuff that's going on. It's hard. And so you're holding on to the Lord and yet you're looking around going, but look at this. And this friend said they were a Christian at church and now they're acting this way. And this thing happened and God said that wouldn't. It's hard. It's hard for us to take our mind off of Christ and all of a sudden we allow the, the fire around us, if you will, we allow the junk of being a middle schooler around us to, to lose our peace because we forget that the Lord's in charge. We lose our peace because we forget that God loves us and even though we're walking through fire, that He's going to bring us through it. You say, how do I keep my peace? I would just give you three real quick things and then we'll be done. You've got to minimize your distractions. I'm not against video games. I'm not against Netflix. I'm not against, um, you know, watching TV and having a phone and playing with your friends and going doing stuff and sports. I'm not opposed to any of those things. But if you do any of those things as your priority, all of a sudden it gets really hard to maintain your focus on the Lord and what He wants to do. It gets really hard. And so you've got to minimize those distractions. You've got to say, hey, do I need all these things in my life? There may be some days where I say, you know what? If I can't turn my TV off one day and not watch TV without going crazy, I probably need some help, right? If I can't just spend a little time by myself without wanting to be with my friends 24-7, I probably need to say, mom, dad, can we just sit and talk and hang out so that I'm not so constantly distracted by all the stuff going on in my life? I don't know what it is. I'm not saying that you are distracted. I'm saying that there's a lot of things that could distract you. That's the first thing. Second thing, you got to know God's Word. Man, you're a middle schooler. You're getting up early. Some of you are talking to Brian earlier. Man, you're at school at 7.15, 7.30. Some of you, 6.45, anybody? Six, yeah. You're in school early and you may find out, you know what, I can't wake up and read God's word every morning and you're going to read God's word later in the day. That's fine. But have a system in the morning where maybe you say, I've got a verse that's right there on my mirror where I brush my teeth. And hey, since you are in middle school, you should brush your teeth every day. That's important. All right. But you got a verse right there that just says, hey, it allows me to keep my mind. Even though I didn't have a chance to read the Bible this morning, I'm keeping my mind on the Lord this morning. You got to know God's word. You got to read God's word every day. A little bit, right? You got to read God's word. The last thing, you got to figure out who has an impact or influence on you. Those of you that are here right now, I don't need to tell you this because you're at church. And hopefully at church, you're finding people that have good influence on you. You have people that have good impact on you, right? They're, they're doing good things for you. But maybe you've got some friends in your life that to be honest with you, they're maybe not making the right choices. I'm not telling you you shouldn't be friends with them, but they don't need to influence you. And what that means is you need to keep them at, at distance. Hey, I, I'll hang out with you. I love doing that, but I'm not going to be just me and you because I, I know that I'm going to be likely to make bad choices as well. And so you got to think about that. you got to think about your own social media, what you're looking at. What's the algorithm say you like? If you start to see weird stuff, that's because they think you like that stuff and you got to cut it off and you got to do something else. you got to figure out what is influence, what's helping you think the way you are because if you want to stay at peace, it says you want to keep perfect peace, you got to keep your mind stayed on the Lord. you got to try to focus on what the Lord wants you to do. Here's the deal. I want to give us this last verse. And I want you just to read this off the screen with me uh, to yourself. I'll read it out loud. I don't need everybody reading it. 
But I want you to think about this because there's the idea. It's saying that once we begin to understand what it truly looks like to live at peace, then all of a sudden we have a responsibility to help others. This is that 2 Corinthians passage. You got that one? There we go. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. Y'all have heard that. And then it says that all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. In other words, Christ allowed us to have a relationship. We talked about that. And gave us, look at this, the ministry of reconciliation. Let's keep reading. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, their sins against them, and entrusting us, look at this, he entrusted to you the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors. What's an ambassador? Somebody tell me. A representative, exactly, right? You're representing, we are ambassadors for Christ, Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Here's the deal. Guys, what if the way that you live, what if the way that you live, that somebody else would look at that and say, help me to know what it looks like to have the peace that you have and that we can minister, we can be ambassadors for other people and other people would be drawn closer to God because of the way that we live. That's not why we make good decisions. That's not why we are people who walk in in a demonstration of the fruit of peace. That's not why we do it so other people will look at us. But he says, when you begin to figure that out, all of a sudden it's our job to help tell other people. It's our job to come to church and say, hey, I noticed at at school you were having this struggle or I noticed these people were hanging around you. I want to encourage you and, and we can start to help others. How cool that is. And so guys, here's the deal. As we start continue over the next couple of weeks and then move it into Catalyst talking about that battle of flesh versus the spirit. God has given us a spirit of peace. We've got to figure out what is it in our life that's not allowing that to live out if we're feeling anxious or if we're feeling like we don't have that peace. It's not something you got to earn. It's already there. It's already there. But God wants us to live in that. 